when I left the back end, there was a position that opened up for management. So I jumped in management and then from there on worked with the youth bowlers, the lead coordinator for a while, bowling business. You do a little bit of everything, right. marketing. And then they asked me in 2013, if I would come, they had just bought this location here in Mebane. And they had asked me if I'd be interested in essentially coming on board as the GM here in Mebane. Okay. So that was 2013. And then a lot of stuff happened in between. Then we had a pandemic. And then basically December of last year, I took over as proprietor here at Buffalo Lanes. Awesome. So th thanks again for coming on today, Brian. I really appreciate you taking up some time of your busy day. For people who have not met you yet, tell us a little bit about who you are and the center you're working with. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Forrest. I appreciate it. Currently, I'm with the Buffalo Lanes, and I say currently, which is funny because I've been with them for, this will be my 25th year. When I started with Buffalo Lanes, I guess I was in high school, I was wow. 16 going on 17. I had been doing some side work with my dad in construction, but my mom said, you need to get a job that you could do while you're in school. And bowling wasn't the answer because I love bowling. I had actually never touched a bowling ball before. I remember mm -hmm. when I was little, we grew up in Los Angeles. My mom bowled at the Gable house, but I never bowled. I remember playing the pinball machines. I remember being in the daycare with some of the other kids while the other moms were bowling, but it was really just a chance happening. My mom, her, she worked with someone, her husband was the general manager at Buffalo Lanes Carry, and they were just getting ready to open really December of 98. And she said, why don't you go in? It's really close to where you're going to school. It's simple. You're talking to people. And I was actually really shy at the time. So I think. My mom was pushing me to do something that maybe would open me up a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I got the job as essentially a front desk help and hosting kids' birthday parties. And then okay. it, it just exploded from there. Yeah. And now here you are. You said 25 yeah. years later. Who would ever first, who would ever thought that the first job was going to be probably the last job? Right. And so you said you started at the front counter and now you're the, the GM at Buffalo. Yeah, I was working the front desk. I remember our general manager at the time, I think was a little overwhelmed with how many parties we were having booked on the weekend. So he had basically two girls hired to, to host parties and it was not even close to enough. So I remember him asking me, he said, Hey, would you, would you like to work with Lisa for a little bit? And she'll show you how to do birthday parties. And I said, sure, why not? And then weekend, and we basically went three, four weekends in. And I remember I asked him, I said, are you looking for someone to do parties? And he said, we're doing such a good job. Why don't you just continue hosting the parties on the weekends? So we did it. So I did the front desk. I did the birthday parties. Then, I don't know, you get hungry to learn more. So mm -hmm. I remember working in the snack bar for a while. And um, back then we had Perky's Pizza and Sully Subs. So we were making subs and Perky's Pizza. Okay. That was fun. Yeah. And he was still working at the front desk at the time. And then somewhere along the line, we needed help in the back. And our head mechanic needed help with some preventive maintenance and just mm -hmm. catching calls on the weekend. And I thought, oh, that'd be fun. Let's try that too. Did my little stint for a couple of years as a mechanic. Not really. Let's not say mechanic. Let's say pin chaser. Pin chaser. Yeah. Okay. Pin chaser. Not mechanic probably is overselling it a little bit. Sure. But, and then when I left the back end, there was a position that opened up for management. So I jumped in management and then from there on worked with the youth bowlers lead coordinator for a while, bowling business. You do a little bit of everything, right. marketing. And then they asked me in 2013, if I would come, they had just bought this location here in Mebane. 
and they had asked me if I'd be interested in essentially coming on board as the GM here in Mevin. Okay. So that was 2013. And then a lot of stuff happened in between. Then we had a pandemic. And then basically December of last year, I took over as proprietor here at Buffalo Lanes in Mevin. Wow. Okay. So you purchased it. Yeah. Oh, that was wow. a goal. That was always a goal. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily a goal coming out of a pandemic before there might be a recession and right. whatever, but it was something we were working towards. And then when the, when the pandemic hit, the Buffalo brothers were sitting down mm -hmm. and they said, it might be a good reset point, might be a good point to, to get in. And mm -hmm. um, so that's what we worked towards and it happened in uh, yeah. 21. So a couple Congratulations. more right here. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. So now they had how many centers before and you bought obviously one of them. So in total, they've had six. So there's still five okay. locations. There's a North Raleigh, there's a South Raleigh, which was the original location built back in 78. And then the one where I worked in Cary, they have one in Irwin, North Carolina, this one in Mebane, and they used to have a center in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's now okay. spare time lanes. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then here you are. I find that there's two different paths I've seen for GMs. You get the one who's hired in from just management experience, maybe a restaurant or a retail or something like that. And then you get the one like you, where you start up from the bottom and you become really well-rounded. And I find that those managers tend to just be rock solid. I hope so. Yeah. And it was, like I said, it just organically happened probably a year and a half, two years into working at the center, you know, make some friends, you get off work, you want to do something fun. But a lot of the people I worked with, they were bowlers. So right. they always wanted to bowl after we got off work. And I thought, oh, bowling's for like old ladies and seniors right. that are retired. Let's yeah. do something fun. Let's go to the mall. Let's go to the movies. So I would go out on the lanes and thank God there's no video footage. <laughs> I was horrible, right. absolutely horrible. Mm. And I would just throw the balls. They'd go in the gutter. They'd go left. They'd go wherever they went mm. until whoever was practicing had enough practice and we'd go do something else. But mm. one day our pro shop operator, we were bowling in front of his pro shop and okay. probably felt really bad for me. He said, oh, this poor kid, got to give him some pointers. He came out and he said, can I give you some pointers? I said, sure. Can't get any worse. Sure. It can only get better. And, yeah. and I remember that was the day that I fell in love with the sport, with bowling. So he, I was probably throwing a 10 pound ball and he said, let's find a different ball. So we picked up a 15 and went through the typical drill. Where are you standing here? Mm -hmm. Oh, these dots, they mean something. Let, let's right. get you standing here on 22. And where are you aiming? Down there, the pins. Okay, here are the arrows. And so he took some time out of his day, lined me up. I threw a ball, I knocked down pins, and I remember thinking, oh, this could be fun. Yeah, That's when I fell in love with bowling. And from that point mm -hmm. on, I wanted to learn more. So we had a good opportunity where our pro shop operator, he was there early every day before his mm -hmm. shop opened. And then I usually got out of school. So it was high school. I got out of school early, usually didn't start a shift till four or five. And he mm -hmm. said, look, great opportunity. I want to go on the lanes, practice myself. You get free bowling because you work at the bowling center. Let's see how good you can get, essentially. We worked through it. At that point, I wanted to learn more about the pro shop business too. So I worked with him in the pro shop, learning about fitting, drilling, ball surfaces, all that exciting yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. and I guess you could say I fell in love with the sport first. I got into youth bowling really late. Okay. Because by the time I was bowling and competing, oh, I must have been 18 already. Oh, and so yeah, so like I, high school. 
Yeah, so then I bowled 18, 19, 20, 21, aged out at 21. And, and probably those were my best years. That was when I was really hungry and I was bowling a lot and I was practicing mm -hmm. a lot. And, and then Irwin, who was my coach at the time, he ran the pro shop. He warned me, he said, he said, just FYI, the better you get in the bowling industry, the worse mm -hmm. your bowling is going to get. Okay. Which was true. So here for so then then yeah. I fell in love with the bowling business. And the more I fell in love with the business, then the bowling kind of the 230 average sure. went to 220 and then maybe it dropped yeah. to 210. And we just started our league. I bowl at our carry locations on Wednesday nights today. Okay. And shockingly, I don't know how I pulled out a 697 last week, but I oh, did. Oh, nice. Yes. So, you you know, still got it? You still it's not going to be it. the norm. I know yeah. there'll be some 590s and maybe even. Sure. We'll take right now. The, the bowling is now for me more of it just gets me together with friends yeah, yeah it's really just the vessel the tool to get me together with people that i haven't seen in a while and, and i enjoy mm -hmm. bowling i'm not as competitive as i used to be and i miss despair and, and then just kind of brush it off and not stress right. about it now i can before i couldn't yeah. well that probably makes it more fun yeah yeah know? oh it does social it's absolutely a blast and we've had fun with it one year we bowled opposite handed the entire okay. league one year we oh, bowled wow. two-handed and it, it just it took the competitiveness out of it and it just yeah. brought us back to the basics why we got into bowling to begin with yeah and at the end of the day that's what it's all about it's about getting together with friends social something fun to do absolutely yeah, that's really what it comes down to and really the whole industry fa family fun that's what it all comes down to is getting together with family friends giving people some fun i think that's why i also like the, the buffalo lanes version of bowling all of our centers are alcohol free uh mm. emphasis is on the sport of bowling so obviously we do the cosmic bowling and the black light bowling and all of our locations have arcades and some yeah. form of food and beverage but really we emphasize the sport of bowling we want to teach people mm. how to bowl we want to teach them how to enjoy it more whether they become a league bowler for life or they just come with their friends or family, we want them to enjoy the sport of bowling. So that's, that's what we've always focused on and it's done well for the Buffalo family and for myself for 44 years going on 45. And that is how I plan on running the business moving forward is we will yeah. always cater to the open bowlers, but really we're passionate about the sport. Yeah, so tell me a little bit. There's always that debate of how do you reconcile the two, the open play versus the league. What do you guys do? Is it about what days you schedule it or how do you blend the two together successfully? Yeah, it's tough. And honestly, I've already decided in my mind that I will compromise open play to get somebody bowling better. So for example, this summer we did a learn to bowl better and we had 68 people that signed up for it. And it was much better turnout than what we anticipated. It's an 18 lane center. We're in a small community. It's very growing. It's booming, but it's a small center. And we thought we were getting a lot of feedback from our bowlers. And I think a lot of it was COVID related. Some legacy bowlers that have bowled every season back to back for years and years. Here, they just took a break. COVID, we were closed for six months here at our location. Oh, wow. So okay. half, half a year completely shut down. And then when we right. reopened masks on social distancing. So yeah. before we got some of the league bowlers back in the house, it had been a while and I'd never heard so many people saying, oh, my game, I'm just not feeling it. People that would normally not say I need help with my bowling game. were right. saying I need help with my bowling game. So we sat down and thought, well, let's develop a program. We did a 12 week program. We included some options for some equipment too, because 
Sometimes people are sitting on that ball that was drilled 15 years ago. And sometimes the equipment is part of the fix, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have modern equipment in your hand to really compete. But we did a learn a bolt class and we opened up all 18 lanes on, on Thursday evening in the summers. And, and basically we told ourselves that we were going to put that time and that effort in to teaching people how to bowl better. And okay. that's what we did. Yeah. It is, you have to yourself look and say, what am I willing to give? What am I, wait, what am I willing to get? So some people would have probably looked at that and said, oh man, you gave up your entire Thursday evening. You could have had the lanes full with open play. But again, for me, we had 68 bowlers. They came out of the program more confident about their bowling, getting ready for the fall season. And again, we're about the sport. You can find, you, you have to really per center, per location, per demographic. Everybody has a little different situation. They might be 40% league play, 60% open play. It's different from center to center. Our league play and tournament play is probably closer in, in, our, in this location here, maybe like 35, 40%. But it, it's something that we're always going to put time and effort into. So right. it, even if I have to say, sacrifice some open play lanes to get a learn to bowl club on or, or whatever it may be, we're always going to do that because we know that'll pay off for us in the future. Yeah. And a lot of the open play people are really looking at Friday, Saturday, primarily, as long as you have those open, you're going to get 80% or more of your open play people anyway, Absolutely. and then it just becomes leagues are during the week and then open plays the weekend. Absolutely. And you definitely, you got to make sure that you're, you're communicating that to the community because people get really frustrated. If they know Monday nights, it's just a full house. Great. They can right. plan accordingly. If they know Tuesday is a full house, I think the communication is important. So we always have yeah. updated schedule, whether it's on our social media or our website, because that seems to be the most frustrating is when somebody comes in with a family right. and all the lanes are running when it, Oh, when are we going to get a lane? Oh, the league You're just not. started and <laughs> they won't finish for another two and a half, three hours. That I think as long as they know what they've got and they can plan for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or if you have a gap right. somewhere during the week, that's exactly. helps. Yeah, absolutely. That gives us a little bit about your center and you. Let's talk a little bit today about what's working at your center. We, we put this together to try to share insights about what's working and share it with different proprietors. What would you say is working for you guys today at, at your center? Yeah. Sometimes you have to look outside of your bowling center. So when I think, when I think of what we have here, we have a, a 32,000 square foot bowling center with an okay. arcade and a, and a kitchen. And most of us call them party rooms, but these rooms can really be used for anything. Yeah. Um, I have always had the viewpoint that we're here in the community, we have to be really visible in the community, and we have to offer ourselves as a community center too, not just the bowling. So what's worked well for us here at this location now and the last few years was always getting involved with community events, whether it was okay. going to the spring fling at the local school or mm -hmm. autumn fest downtown or hosting a car show. We've done a couple car shows here oh, cool. in the parking lot with the local police department, fire department. And then we just reached out to a, a car club in the area and hosted a car show. And some people would say, what does that do for your bowling? Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily do anything immediately for the bowling, but it, right. it gives you visibility. So people, they see, okay, Buffalo mm -hmm. Lanes, they're involved. They like being active in the community and they might just show up for a car show and a cup of coffee and then walk into the center and say, we need to have Forrest's birthday here next time. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So we've always been very involved with what's going on in our local downtown and then just in, in Mebane as a whole. So okay. I find that really helps in center education. So education, again, whether they're going to become a league bowler or whether they're just going to become a casual open bowler 
or a frequent casual open bowler. I think when you, when you educate people and teach them how to throw a ball better, they enjoy mm -hmm. the sport more. And again, the oh, goal yeah. doesn't need to be, let's turn them into a league bowler. It could mm -hmm. literally be, let's get them a ball in their hand that fits and is the yeah. proper weight. So that when they right. bowl, their hand doesn't hurt afterwards. Yeah. I think education is important, whether the end goal is a league bowler or just to get some of those frequent open bowlers a little bit more happy and knocking down more pins. And there's always this, my hand should hurt after I'm done bowling. No, it shouldn't. Right. So we need to find you something that fits better, or maybe you're throwing mm -hmm. too light or too heavy, but the education has been helping a lot. And then again... I saw, and look, the guys at BPAA and the education department, they're awesome. Mm -hmm. We work with them a lot. Bart oh, yeah. Berger and Gerald and Kelly yep. and all those guys, they're yeah, super cool and they're super mm -hmm. on top of what's going on. And I agree that it's not just about customer service anymore. It's about the guest experience. Yes. So from when they walk in the door to when they engage with your staff, to when they go on the lanes, to when they exit the building, it's about the experience. And we can nail that in a small center in a small community because I know almost everyone by their name. So yeah. when they walk in the door, Hey Forrest, how's it going? Should I tell the kitchen to get you a diet Pepsi and the usual pair for an hour of bowling. And, but it's, and it's also when it comes to employee retention, it's the same thing. If you, if the experience in the center is enjoyable, then you will attract good people and you will retain yeah. good people. Absolutely. So again, it's about that guest experience and it, and it's multiple things that add up to just one thing. So you can't really, mm -hmm. it's about the customer service. It's about the cleanliness of the center. It's about the, the promotions and the pricing. It's really, it's the whole package. And those guys plug at the BPAA education department, they could help you figure it out, but it's, uh, it's no longer about the shirt and the customer service and the, my pleasure. It's about the mm -hmm. whole experience from when they, you know, really the first touch is probably on social media. So yeah. you know, they're going to find you on Google or they're going to find you on Facebook or Twitter, wherever it may be. Yep. And, uh, and that's really the first touch. And then it goes from there. Then they show up to the center. Is your parking lot clean? Is the front of the building, does it look good? Or is there paint peeling off? When mm -hmm. you walk in the door, what are you smelling? Old socks, fresh pizza, whatever it may be. That, those are all things they haven't even got to your staff yet. They haven't even got to the front desk yet. And, yeah. and then there, is it simple? Do they know what's going on? Are there 40 different flyers popping out in your face and you don't know this price, that package, this special, steering people in the right direction? So it, that guest experience, I think, is really important nowadays because mm. when the wallets get a little bit tighter too, people want to spend their money where they feel they're getting a lot of bang for their buck. And they want to feel important. They want to feel like they're getting value. Um, and if they're going to come back, that guest experience is a really important part of it. Absolutely. Now, is that something that you have drawn out or mapped out somewhere? Is it something you have in your head? Or how do you approach making all those small little improvements all the time? I think it's just been live and learn over the years. Had a lot of good mentors. The Buffalo Brothers always were open to sending us to places where we could get education, whether it was BP or whether yeah. it was here or there. I've just had a lot of good managers that I've worked underneath, a lot of good mentors. Erwin Atkinson was the original manager at the first Buffalo Lane Center. This is the guy who taught me how to bowl, the one that was running the pro shop. And he runs our pro shop now. So not okay. retired yet, but he uh, he's still running the shop here and I'm happy to have him here. And I wish I could have him for another 30 years. Just gained a lot of experience through him. He's done a lot of different things in the bowling industry. Somebody that I have a lot of respect for too, Paul Krines. He, uh, he owns and operates okay. a center in, in yeah. Mooresville, not we too just far had him on down the show. I need to work week. with him a lot.
lot. And we just have very similar mindsets on how to treat customers and how to get people in the door. So it's just something that's evolved and developed over time. And it's something that I try to, you can't really map it. You can't put it in a manual per se. Some of these things, right. I try to lead by example. I so see. I'm still very active in the center. It's probably why I look so rough. I just finished along, but I like to be out and engaging with the customers. And I feel like I can show the rest of the team that extra level. Sometimes yeah. you just have to expose them to that and show them what it looks like. You can train for it. A lot of these on-demand classes that BPAA does, it gives a good benchmark understanding in certain sections, you know, how to answer right. your phone, how to you navigate to through customer complaints. Like, I think mm -hmm. that is a phenomenal tool that all proprietors, managers should be using unless they already in center have some sort of onboarding program. Um, right. If you have an onboarding program, awesome. Then it's working for you. But if you don't, it's completely laid out for you already. And like yeah. I said, everything from how you answer the phone to, to how you handle a customer complaint, CPR, the list of classes that they're offering now is massive. Not there, yeah. I think bowling, education yeah, is university. super important. Yep. Yeah. They, they do a great job of it. The bowling university that you get as just for being a member. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, so. it's great. And I think that was probably what was lacking in the industry before I got into it. I kept hearing about the, the glory days, the good old days, the third shift leagues and all this stuff. And they were doing market research and analysis and they were telling proprietors and owners, you need to clean up your centers, less smoking, brighter mm -hmm. colors. And then I guess yeah. the ones that didn't do it are probably not with us anymore. And the ones right. that changed and evolved are. But again, the bowling industry is a great industry to be in. And the people that are doing well, they're working hard and they're educating. It's mm -hmm. not as easy as just build a center, open it up and you'll be prosperous. I think you do have to work hard. You have to train and hire the right staff. You have to attract the right people and you have to offer that guest experience. It has to be the right experience. And so you're saying it's, it's almost like a, a philosophy that you try to instill in your staff more than just here's a list of SOPs and how we do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I find that not only are they hardworking, the successful proprietors, but also very open-minded where they talk to a lot of different proprietors, see what's working and always putting new ideas into the center so that they don't, because sometimes people fall behind, but the people who do really well, Paul, like I guess I would just talk to, he's always evolving and always adding new ideas and what's working today. Yeah. Look, we had an interesting situation when I came here to Mebbin. We had bought a business that had three different ownerships in three years. And so we had to do rebranding. This didn't start as a Buffalo Lanes here. And it was completely different than what we did. Large bar, more about the open bowling, less about the actual sport. So when we got here, we had three years that we had to come and erase. And it was tough. And the center did not do well initially. There were some really rough years. And that's when we would do all this guerrilla marketing, go to every school, every event. And they would look at us and say, you're just you're the same thing with a different name. No, we're not. It's please come and just give us a chance. And, uh, and so it was tough. And at that time you have to be open to ideas. So we would have meetings, majority of my staff over the years, very young. And uh, I'm probably the least arrogant person when it comes to, I think I know everything. So sometimes we would just sit in the room and say, um, Anyone have any good ideas? And it's amazing if you listen to your staff, even the young ones, a lot of these ideas over the years that worked, it wasn't, didn't come from me. It came from my 17 year old front desk employee. So again, it was like, we've got this huge parking lot. Have you ever thought of doing a, like a 4th of July celebration in a parking lot? 
No, but that sounds like a great idea. Have we ever done a car show and then maybe involve some people downtown? We have a big parking lot. Sounds great. The party rooms sit empty during the week because you're not doing parties. What if somebody wanted to rent it out for a Bible study or yeah. a book reading yeah. club Take or me. things like mm -hmm. that? Utilizing just, and again, at that point, it was more about just getting people in the door so that they could realize what we were offering was completely different than the previous business. Right. So it was really our goal at that time was getting people in the door, not necessarily teaching and bowling or, but, but yeah, just being open to ideas. And then your customers, sometimes your customers will, Hey, have you ever thought of this? Nope, but we should try it. Yeah. And the worst that happens is it doesn't work. And then you scratch it off and you move on. Um, yeah. You'll never know unless you try. So I think a lot of proprietors, managers, they might be afraid. So it might be one of those things. We always did it this way, right. but always did it this way. Doesn't at some point it doesn't work, right? Yeah. We made a change many, we changed, made so many changes that when you have an established center, that's doing maybe not thriving, but it's doing okay. You're a little bit more afraid to maybe make a change here. Really, we were struggling those first couple of years. So it was like, we've got nothing to lose. So it was exactly. a little, it was a little easier to pull the trigger on some of those things. So I understand mm -hmm. somebody might be sitting in the center, they're making payroll, they're paying the bills, they're putting some money aside and they're thinking, eh, I don't know if I want to rock the boat, right. rock the boat. Because really the worst that happens is you try something, it doesn't work and you move on yeah. to something different. And, and there are no bad ideas. Sure that, um, that you're willing to try things. You're willing, you're trying to put, make things better. You know, just the customers and employees. Yeah. The, the staff sees that your customers see that. And then they realize, wait a minute, they're here to stay. They're trying, they're working through things. But yeah, I think you really have to be open-minded. You have to constantly educate yourself. So we go to a lot of these trade shows. We go to bowl expo. Mm. Okay. We have a good regional trade show here, the BPA of the Carolinas and Georgia. And I try to go as often as I can because there's always something that you could learn. Also, right. a lot of times you go to these events, there's so much information being slammed at you. You can't possibly take it all back. Right. So sometimes it's nice going to a show and then saying, wait a minute, I remember learning about this three years ago. Why didn't I, why didn't I act on that? Yeah. So it's, I think education is important. Keeping an open mind is important. Listening to your staff, because a lot of the time um, they're seeing things that you might not be seeing. You might be in the office yeah. more. Right. So they have some phenomenal ideas. Don't write them off because it's their first job and they haven't mm -hmm. been in the bowling industry for 20, 40 years um, right. because they've got some really good ideas. You just got to be able to pull the trigger, follow through, implement, and then be able to measure and say, did it work? Did it not work? It didn't work this time. Let's move on. Try something new. Or it might be the next big thing. Yeah. There's only one, one way to find out. So I, um, that, that's just always, and that's been my thing. I've, I, that mindset I got from my mom and dad too, and just family members mm -hmm. and then people that have always been around me is just, don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to grow. Don't be afraid to try new things. I can actually remember before I came to Mebbin, I had actually gotten to a place at Buffalo Lanes in Cary where that growth had stopped. I got very mm -hmm. comfortable. You, you've done everything. You're the front desk, the snack bar, the ins and outs of the parties. You know, if there's a squealing coming from lane 13, you know that there's a pin in the turn pan and you feel like the fawns after a while, you just right. you know where to hit things and what to do. And, but then you get to a point where you get so comfortable, you, you almost don't realize that you're not growing. So mm -hmm. I remember when I left Cary and I came to Mebbin, it had been a long time since I was 
afraid of something. Yeah. Because everything was, you get so comfortable and you get so familiar with things, you forget what it's like to learn something new. Or, um, and that's where I had gotten. I was so comfortable at Cary. And the thought of moving to Mebane, it was a different people, different demographic. At our Cary location, everything was Brunswick. Here we're working with Cubic AMF. So I don't know anything right. about these 90 XLIs. Sure. I, I'm pretty good with an A2, but I don't know anything about 90 XLI. And the computer system's completely different. At Cary, we had a snack bar here. It's like a full kitchen. So I'm like, wow, now I'm a restaurateur. I don't know about this. <laughs> so it was a lot of, it was, it needed to happen. But I think a lot of people, they get comfortable at some point and then they forget that if they're comfortable, they're not growing, they're not evolving, they're not moving forward. So I've had a lot of uncomfortable moments here since 2013. So I guess for me, making change or trying something new, it's gotten a lot easier. And really when COVID hit, a lot of people were maybe afraid of opening their center or making changes. Um, for me, it was just like, let's get back to work and, and, and let's yeah. do it. I actually felt like the years leading up to COVID were a lot more challenging. We were closed six mm -hmm. months and when we opened, we followed all the guidelines and it was just another day at work. It was nice being back at work. It was nice seeing people bowling. And, mm -hmm. um, and we did what we had to until business started picking up again. It wasn't, I didn't come into work like this. I came into work thinking, great, now we can get back up and running. And yeah. sometimes you need a couple of those rough years that kind of test you a little bit and push you to let you know that you know, it's not afraid. You shouldn't be afraid to make changes and you shouldn't be afraid to adapt. And sometimes yeah. we get so comfortable, we get stagnant. And then eventually things die off. Yeah. It almost one precludes the other. If you're comfortable, you're probably not learning. And if you're learning, you're probably not comfortable. They're almost mutually exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I really like that. I really like your approach. And it, it's interesting to see how some people reacted to the harder times with COVID when they were close. Some people were afraid. Some people uh, took the time to, to clean up, like literally clean or do renovation. <laughs> yeah. Just things that they were, they needed to do that they say, we're shut down. Let's take care of it now. And then not everyone makes it through restaurants, close bars, close. There's half the places to go out. And now there's the same people. And now we're seeing the people who made it through to have a really good 18 months since. Yeah. You, you actually brought up some good memories. Essentially we were all laid off at that point. And I was the volunteer caretaker at the bowling center. So I would come in and just make sure everything was still there. And I'd bring the lawnmower from the house and I'd mow the lawn around the property. Sure. And, yeah. But a couple of my employees reached out to me and they said, man, we're so bored. Like we just want to get out of the house and do something. Yeah. And I said, we were talking about cleaning that back room up for a long time. We could clean mm -hmm. it up. And, oh, we had gallons of paint at the bowling center. I was like, we have a little painting party and freshen up the walls. And right. so there were a couple of days and we all did this. We're all essentially laid off unemployed. And, uh, and I said, well, look, I'll buy dinner, but I'm unemployed too. It's gotta be like Taco Bell or Domino's. <laughs> yeah. So we had Domino's <laughs> delivered and we were sitting here painting, cleaning video mm -hmm. games, vacuuming out video games, doing oh, all those uh, things. Sometimes yeah. you get behind, but it just right. brought back a good memory because yeah, we did a lot of cleaning in different ways, but we also exactly. did some real cleaning, but that was mm -hmm. a good memory. I just, everybody just wanted to get back and it wasn't about money or anything. It's just, we want to get back mm -hmm. in the center. We want to see the center. Let's like, let's do something. And so, yeah, we had a couple of those fun days where we brought people in and just, just had a good time. And I there was it. no bowling, but people asked, right. oh, are you bowling a lot during the pandemic? And I said, nope, lanes are stripped. Yeah. Lane machine was put up. Everything was pumped out. Oil tank, res reservoirs, everything empty. So I said, no, no bowling, can't mm -hmm. afford the electricity right now. No, yeah. People don't realize how much it is just to turn the lights on or run oh, yeah. machines. Yeah. I love that. I do want to keep us on time. I know I only asked you for a half hour, but what would be, uh, 
tell me a little bit about your outlook on the next three years or so. So looking after the future, where do you see the bowling industry going in the next three, three years? Oh man, if I knew that, if I knew that I'd tell you to turn the record button off and I'd start <laughs> selling that information. I think definitely people are, some of it was COVID, some of it was already coming. People are looking to get together, engage with each other, and they're finding different ways of doing that. I love bowling because bowling is something that literally everyone can do. So my appeal to bowling, to the sport, why I love the industry so much is that it's really something that everybody can do. When you come in on a busy yeah. league night and you look from lane one to lane 18 or 16 or 24, 32 or whatever, just people. And there's Perfect. left, there's right, there's up, there's down, there's black, there's white, there's middle class, there's upper class, there's left-handed, there's right-handed. Bowling is one of those interesting sports that brings everyone together. And sometimes I laugh. We'll have a team bowling another team and that one team is probably very left-leaning politically and the other team is very right-leaning politically and somehow mm -hmm. they make it through the night bowling nobody's hurt each other nobody's right. hurt. and sometimes they go out to eat afterwards yeah and i'm thinking where else can you do that but i guess yeah i guess i'm gonna see like personally i think in our centers we're gonna see an uptick of league bowling i think people are trying to get into more like i said they're trying to socialize more they were just locked yeah. up for a couple of years and they're trying it's to find sanctioned or non-sanctioned both okay oh maybe it's mm -hmm. usbc maybe it's the pba league yeah. experience whatever it may be uh, but well, I, just um, mean, I think just uh, getting people on the lanes is important yeah yeah well just because I, I see a lot of uh, social lanes or shorter lanes or non-traditional not sorry leagues shorter leagues more like a social leagues popping up i'm just curious if you see just the desire to, for people to get together where they just want to go out and, and bowling is an easy sport that's accessible and they get together, or if it's more the competitive side, which one? Yeah, probably not the competitive side. I see more of the socializing. We're okay. looking probably to adding some duck pin bowling in the center. Okay. And it probably won't be a regulation duck pin length. So again, it won't right. be something that's sanctioned, but mm -hmm. if we end up doing leagues or if we end up doing competition with them, we'll do some in-house awards. Yeah. and make it really exciting. We don't have to sanction with the Duckman Association. Right. So we can do that ourselves. But no, probably, I don't know. I, I see a little bit of the competitiveness dying off, but I also see mm. the excitement coming back with some of the UBA bowling, the Federation bowling. Like yeah. it's a different type of bowling. And I think that's good for the sport too, because you need a little bit of that. I remember I did not bowl collegiately, but I did some coaching. So with the NC State bowling team, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like having a team and going to bowling bakers tournaments and things like that. We always told our athletes that were on the college team, like savor every moment because when the four years are gone, they're gone. And you'll yeah. probably find nothing like that in bowling again, because it, it's just a, it's a unique experience. And mm -hmm. I think Federation and UBA and some of those organizations, it brings that feeling to people that maybe they mm -hmm. had experienced it in college, or maybe they never had the opportunity to be a part of a team like that and compete against right. other teams and travel. So I, I do some of those formats, but yeah, I see bowling growing more on the social side and the, like I said, for me, bowling is about fun now. Right. I, I don't need to shoot 200s anymore to yeah. enjoy it. I just want to get out. I want to meet some people. I want to, I want to see some old faces. I want to, my team on Wednesday nights, we all used to work at Buffalo Lanes Carry at some point. 
Okay. Wow. The majority yeah. of them are all out of the bowling business. I'm the only one that's still in the bowling industry. <laughs> and sometimes a story comes up and it says, hey, you remember on a Saturday night after we closed for Cosmic Bowling, we used to go out and do this. And I can still tell them, yeah, I did that last weekend. What are you talking about? Just with a different <laughs> right. crew, it's just different times. But sometimes I think they're a little jealous of me. And I said, there's shoe spraying, <laughs> there's shoe tying too. It's not right. all. It's not all fun yeah. and games, but we sit down and we bowl. And sometimes it's, remember when we used to do this? I, yeah, I did that last time. We had to Waffle House at three yeah. in the morning and went back to bowling <laughs> and shot some pool and played to arcades. So yeah, uh, I'm a big kid. You have to <laughs> right. have fun too. Absolutely. Like we were saying, that's what it's all about. Yeah. But yeah, definitely that social aspect. I think if you can, this year, especially this upcoming year and the end of this year, we're looking to really get involved in the community again. So obviously mm. we were shut down for COVID when yeah. we reopened. It was me and one other person. So okay. it was, we closed pre-COVID with 26 people on staff, I think. And then when we reopened, yeah. we had two. So oh, wow. <laughs> we were mowing the lawn and we were the right. cleaning crew and we were doing everything. We just couldn't get involved again with a lot of those community activities. And, yeah. and some of them weren't going on either. It's this true. Year we're going to host another trunk or treat event. It's the okay. biggest trunk or treat event in our area. Yeah. So we get local, well. local businesses involved. And last time we did it, we had 48 cars in a parking lot. Yeah. So that's a great. huge event, but that's what we're looking forward to is getting involved again going to these mm. autumn fests, the hometown holidays, the Christmas markets. Yeah. Um, do do it's the, really uh, just Chamber kind of, of engaging with people again. Do you do the uh, Chamber of Commerce at all? That's one that Paul was really uh, big on too. He was talking about. Paul's also a Rotarian. So I remember. Yeah, he is. Yeah. We, I founded, I was part of the founding membership for our Rotary Club here in Mebane. Mm -hmm. When Paul was working with me, he was doing just some. Consulting? <clears throat> or... Consulting. Thank you. Yeah. I need another cup of coffee. He <laughs> was doing consulting with us the first couple of years here. And he said, we need to, we absolutely need to hit the local Rotary Club. And I said, there is no Rotary Club in Mevin. So he challenged me. So you need to get one started. Right. We finally got a good group of people together. Um, cool. But yeah, we're involved with Rotary. We have a, we're part of the Alamance County Chem Chamber, which we get swallowed up by Burlington and Graham and some of the other cities in Alamance. I see. Yeah. So Mevin founded its own organization called the Mevin Business Association. Um, and we have a meeting actually next Wednesday. And we're very active with the MBA. They host one of the longest consecutively running events in North Carolina, which is the Dogwood Festival. Um, okay. We have a historic downtown association as well. So we are in the historic downtown limits of Med. We have a historic downtown business association that we're active in. We work with the chamber on certain things, but again, we, we have an entity that kind of fills the gap of the chamber here. I see. We work with the Mebane Business Association a lot. And I think it's important. It's good for networking. It's just, it's nice to know who your neighbor is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And th the last one I wanted to ask you on, piggyback on that a little bit, is what would be your number one piece of advice for a proprietor? So someone like yourself, or maybe a, a year ago who was just about to get started, maybe someone who's at a crossroads, has some big decisions, or what would your be your number one piece of advice be to them? If you could only give one piece of advice for a proprietor. One, only one. Yeah, I guess I would say get ready for the time of your life. It's <laughs> There's never a boring day. Yeah. I guess I would say don't go into it blindly. So obviously I had a lot of experiences. I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Sometimes I see on these Facebook groups, we just bought a bowling center and we've never owned a bowling center before. Yeah. I think, oh boy, we could right. probably talk on the phone for the next four months 
consecutively and still not fill the gaps. I would say try to educate yourself as much as possible going into it because it, it it's like an onion. There, there are a lot of layers in a bowling center. It's not just as simple as setting the pins up, knocking them down, and it's 350 a game or whatever it might be. There's a lot going on. You really need to know your community. You need to understand the people that are going to be visiting your center. You need to understand the staffing requirements. You need to understand the dynamic of your center. So again, some people have a traditional bowling center. It might just be 24 lanes done. Mm -hmm. We have an 18 lane center with a kitchen arcade that's relatively large. We're looking to expand it. I think we've got a little over 50 pieces right now. Some billiards tables, but it doesn't really fit with what we do. So again, I think we're looking to get some duck pin bowling in. You need to understand okay. your center too and what you can do with it. But yeah, that, that would be my one piece of advice is just don't, oh, this is great. Let's own a bowling center and let's, you really need to understand the layers and what goes into it. Maybe educate yourself a little bit beforehand. And then definitely mm -hmm. once you're up and running, continue with that education. Don't lock yourself in your office or get stuck working the counter where you can't yeah. grow. I like, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I even have a sign hanging up. Don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. I, You've got to pull yourself away from the day-to-day -day parts of it so that you can help expand the business and expand yourself. Some people, they get locked into working the counter. I can't possibly go to Bowl Expo. Who's going to run the bowling center for me? There's already a problem if you can't. So yeah. There's already an issue that maybe had you done a little bit more research. And so I would say education is key before and then during. And then once you're into it, just constantly, if you've, if you can make good connections with other proprietors and managers, if they're sharing information from you, they know what they're doing. If they're not yeah. sharing, then it's no, nobody's really competing with each other. We're all here no. to grow the sport of bowling. Yep. You sent me an email asking me to come on the podcast. You said sharing is caring, and I totally agree. Yep. I just think the more we can help each other out, the more we can help people, the more we can help the sport of bowling, and the better off we all are. So just education is key, whether it's your staff, whether it's yourself, whether it's your, your customers, education is one of the top things when we're making decisions here in a bowling center, we're thinking about education, right? How do we build up our employees? How do I improve myself? But then we want to educate our customers too. If you educate the customers about bowling and the sport, it's a win-win for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could have put it better myself. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Like I said, education is really critical. It's important. Um, it's the only way. Yeah, it's yeah. important. And again, we can learn so much from each other. People are doing such different things from West Coast to East Coast. And it's something works here, but it's never been done here. And right. um, certainly there are certain things that maybe will only work regionally in certain areas, but um, pull yourself outside of your scope of knowledge. So you might know what the eight centers around you are doing, but what are the other eight doing in the next state or on the other side of the country? There's just a wealth of information there. And again, that's why I like what Bart Berger and Gerald and Kelly and them are doing. They're mm -hmm. collecting that information. They're disseminating that information. You don't have to drive to California or to Seattle or right. wherever to sit down and talk to a proprietor. You can do a Zoom call. And there are so mm -hmm. many people out there willing to share their knowledge and expertise to help people out. You mm -hmm. just have to know where to get it. Right. You, know, you just have to reach out and be willing and open to listen. Yeah, absolutely. If that weren't the case, this show wouldn't exist. That's the whole idea is let's reach out to people because we have the uh, BPAA to, in their university. We have the Bull Expo. 
But in between that, there's not as many spots to, to talk to some of these people who are busy. They're more than happy to share if you ask them, but how do we take that from, the, from them and share that with the world? Absolutely. That's why we're here today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think we could end on a better one. That's the mission of it. I do really appreciate you taking out your time, Brian. This has been a blast. You, you have a, a lot of knowledge. Like you said, 25 year career and just barely touching 40. Yeah. Uh, we're just barely touching the surface. I enjoyed exactly. it. Thank you for asking me to come on. And again, I think if people just, if they open their eyes a little bit, if they get out of their comfort zone, they're going to be a big success in this industry. They just got to be willing to take that little bit of a step. Yep. That's the whole thing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, chat again, but like I said, I appreciate it. And this has been fun. Thanks Forrest. I appreciate it. And thank you for everything you do for our industry too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see ya.